So we're continuing our conversation on stories. And um, how many of you guys, let me ask you this, how many of you guys love shows like uh, Extreme Home Makeover? I know it's probably not on anymore, but do you remember that? Okay, all right. How about uh, The Biggest Loser? Anybody? Isn't that fun to watch? That's not bad. That's bad to say, isn't it? Um, The Biggest Loser. um, Okay, so uh, Val, how about Fast and Loud? Anybody like that? You know what I'm talking about there? You know what I'm talking about? Gas Monkey Garage? I told you, I like, Tim, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Um, how about Overhauling? Do you remember that old show? There's some car references here. Okay, I get it. Matt's with me on this. Um, do you remember those shows? Um, do you, HGTV. Who loves HGTV? Okay, there. I've got an audience now, bless God. You're with me. All right. Um, so I guess we've got to do like home makeover stuff all the time. We'll be good to go. Next week, we're going to talk about a gardening story, okay? But no. You, wh- why, why, do we, why are we obsessed? Let's say Biggest Loser. That can go into that vein there because you know Biggest Loser people, how much they're into that. Um, but why do we love these shows so much? Why do we just get just engrossed in it and we can't step away from it? Why do, I mean, it's amazing what they can do in an hour. Think about it. It's not an hour, okay? We know how long it really takes, but they condense it all down into one hour. If you're watching Hulu, 48 minutes. Can I get an amen for Hulu? Okay. My time is precious. All right. Um, but how do they do this even in a half hour? How do they take a kitchen that's a hot mess, HGTV lovers, how do they take a kitchen that's a hot mess and turn into something beautiful in just a little bit of time? I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do a frame off restoration in just an hour. Okay. We know it takes longer. I don't know how these things happen, but the one thing I love when they say, move that bus. Okay, we're getting there, all right? When they say, move that bus, what happens? You're just like, ah, and the people, when the bus, you know, they move the bus, and they just fall on the ground, and are just all of a sudden, there's a water feature there as well they didn't plan for, okay, because they're so excited, crying all over themselves, all right? We love, we love the before and after, right? The before and after. Seeing something that was a hot mess, that was ugly as sin before, that was old, rusty, falling apart, that nobody wanted, right? And after, it's like, just this glow goes around it. It's just beautiful. We love the before and after, don't we? We, we just, it's, it's amazing. So remember when I was telling you I was looking back in some photos. Do you remember that? Uh, here's the reason why. Uh, probably about five years ago, um, I don't know what happened. I, I, I really, I, maybe it was too many Chinese buffets. Um, maybe it was too much good home cooking. Okay, um, maybe it was laziness. Um, maybe it was a lack of exercise. But Mr. Myers climbed to a, a high number of weight, okay? And this is when I was youth pastor. And so you know when you youth pastor, you eat a lot of pizza. That's just what happens. Like it just comes with the territory. Or when you're building a church this last month. Um, but you eat a lot of pizza. And all of a sudden, I looked at this one picture, you know? I was looking, and um, there was this side profile of this guy. I didn't know who he was. This side profile of this guy uh, looking out over a field. And I look closer and I'm like, I don't recognize that belly. I don't, oh, that's me. You ever done that? Oh, good. You didn't say yes. Okay. Because you're beautiful and wonderful in his sight. But when I look, Kelly, you remember, hon, you're not judging. I know you're not. It's my sister-in-law. But okay, I climbed to like 275. All right. That's like up. I see that face. God bless you, sister. All right. But... <laughs> I still weigh 248. So I mean, I just carry it right, okay? But the thing is, 275, it's all the right places. You can't really, big bounded. Um, but that's what mom used to say in husky pants. You know, I love those. 275. 
So I'm like, this has to change. Do you ever get to that point? This has to change because I was stuck in before, all right? Stuck. So I had a friend, and this was funny, a Jewish friend, all right, that ran a, uh, a, a, a campaign in churches. I didn't say synagogues, obviously. Churches, and it was called the cookie diet. The congregational cookie diet, I swear. I swear to you, okay? So I was desperate. Do you ever get that way? You're, I was desperate to drop some LBs because that guy I saw in the picture was hefty, 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 okay? So I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to drop him. Kelly, you remember this, right? I looked there. It's like, is he dying? Did he, does he have cancer? Oh, let's pray for him. It was bad. Okay, so in literally a month, a month's time, I lost like 40 pounds, Okay, let me tell you how it works. A cookie in the morning, just half of it, you drink a glass of water with it, so it fills you right up. They're supposed to be filling cookies, right? One for lunch and then a sensible dinner. I basically starved myself to death for a month. Don't do that. At the end of the month, though, I remember taking this picture, the after, and I looked. I was like, that's bad, the before. He, ugh. I look at the after, and it's like, huh, where's he been for the last years? Because he looks terrible. Before and after, for me, wasn't the best right then, I can tell you that much. But there was a distinguishable difference that Justin before at 275, and he got all the way down to 230. That's actually more weight than I thought it was. Lost a lot of weight. The before and the after. I saw it firsthand. It was scary, but it was also important for me to get healthy. My dad passed away early, so I didn't want to do that. Before and after. The, morning I want to share, the story I want to share with you this morning is uh, an even greater story. It's a story uh, that's one of, from, from one of my favorite portions of Scripture. Uh, it's my, one of my favorite books in the Bible, even. Um, and uh, based around uh, one of the greatest, I think, stories ever told. It's those stories that continue to knock my socks off every time I read it. It's one of those kinds of stories that's a go-to for me when I'm talking about, you know, God's abilities and my inability. It's one of those stories that's uh, it's God's grace versus judgment. One of those stories that God's healing versus brokenness, both physical and emotional. This story is so filled with the goodness of God and clothed with his miraculous power. The story is infused with faith, but clouded with doubt. Not him, you'll see. This story takes place in John Chapter 9, it's an exhibition of God's raw power in the midst of a seemingly impossible situation. It's the story of the man who was born blind. Do you remember that story? Do you remember that story by chance? There's an amazing twist, though, in this story because there was a man that was born blind. That was his before, but Jesus brings an after into the situation. Let me give you some background on this first. It's important whenever you're studying the Bible, whenever you're reading Scripture, that you know what's going on around it. Otherwise, you'll take a story, a situation out of context. It's important. The author's name is John, okay, which goes along really well with the, uh, the book being named after him, okay? Uh, he's authored 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, but also the book of Revelation. He's not John the Baptist. You know, there's a lot of guys with the same name sometimes in the Bible, so it gets confusing, although they were friends. He's known as the Apostle John. He was one of the Sons of Thunder. Doesn't that sound like a WWE wrestling team? Doesn't it really? The Sons of Thunder? For me, it would be WWF. Justin, are you with me on that? That's what it used to, You may still be too young. For me, Tim's got me. Okay. It's like the metal chair against the head. Sons of Thunder, okay, coming out. Uh, Peter, James, and John, but they didn't do that with a metal chair. Also, John was distinctly known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
He was also the guy that was there to witness and knew the ins and outs of Jesus' ministry, his impact while he was on earth. Some of the things he witnessed, the water that was turned into wine, the official's son who was healed, the healing that took place at Bethesda, the 5,000 who were fed with just a few loaves of bread and fish. He watched Jesus walk on water, the blind man's sight be restored, Lazarus being raised from the dead. He watched Jesus be crucified. He was early to the tomb. And when Jesus gave them an overwhelming catch after fishing all day, right? And John wanted to communicate so much uh, who Jesus was as the Messiah, the Son of God, who was coming to redeem the world. That was his goal. He wanted to make sure that people understood that and that he moved in the miraculous, that Jesus could do amazing things. He made sure that people understood that as he lived his life. So what I'm going to do for just a second is build some more context for you so you understand the story a little bit more. We see Jesus and his disciples really ramping up their ministry. They're going about healing those that are sick and leading people to God. That was the goal. Because of this, things are really heating up between Jesus and the religious folk of the day, the Pharisees, right? They were even trying to arrest him and even stone him. They were real serious. The Pharisees were real serious about trying to stop Jesus and all that he was doing. These guys, the Pharisees, were the best of Jewish culture. They knew the law, so much so that there was even more than the Ten Commandments, over 600 laws. Can you believe that? That's a lot of law, right? I can't even obey like the, uh, the not speeding in the 45, you go 52 kind of thing. You know, Imagine 600 and some. Can you imagine? Who could be perfect in that type of situation? No one. But these guys were always trying to catch Jesus up in something. The reason why they were so upset and wanted to kill him is because Jesus was upsetting their system. He was messing with their life. Everything was cool. Everything was planned. Jewish culture was going just as it had been going for years, and they were fine. Why is this guy coming up into town and trying to mess with something? Things are awesome. Things are great. They were mad. Right before chapter 9 in the book of John, we see Jesus literally running for his life to get away from these guys. Why? Because he just finished instructing folks in the temple on the Sabbath day. He ended, up his, he ended his conversation by saying that he's eternal and he was there before Abraham. They did not like that. If you studied the Old Testament, you'll see why. They did not like that. That didn't set too well, so they decided to stone him. So as Jesus was heading along on his journey away from the temple, he finds this man that was born blind. Now this story, it may seem a little long, but if you read a short story, you read the story. It's hard to paraphrase, which means to take pieces out that make you understand it better, but not read the whole thing, all of this. So look, try not to fall asleep. You'll have words on your screen before you and follow along with me. Jesus heals a man born blind. I want you to, to put yourself in this situation as if you're a spectator on that day watching this story unfold, okay? Watch it with me. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud in the, with, uh, with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Can you imagine seeing this, though, okay? 
You see this prophet, this teacher, this rabbi that some call it. He's walking around Jerusalem. He's doing all kinds of stuff in all these surrounding communities, healing people, touching people's lives, making things better. And then all of a sudden, you see him run out of the temple, right? Because they're trying to stone him. Jesus is running out, afraid for his life, but he knows it's not the time yet, regardless. Running for his life, and he runs out, and he sees this blind man, and he takes some spit. That's really nice, isn't it? Spits on the ground, out of the dirt, makes saliva begins to rub it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. We read through that pretty fast sometimes. He came home and he could see. His neighbors and those um, who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I see. Where is this man? They asked. I don't know. He said, the Pharisees began to investigate. They brought, they, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Okay, remember, these are the religious leaders. They don't like this kind of thing happening. They're getting upset because he's messing with everything that was planned, everything that was good to go. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. See, they were so concerned with the Sabbath, not doing anything on the Sabbath whatsoever. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you say about him? It was your eyes he opened, the man replied. He is a prophet. The Jews did not, excuse me, still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. This is crazy. For his parents now, they can't believe. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how can he see now? Who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. They were scared themselves to not get kicked out of the temple, to not get kicked out of the the religious system that was there in that day. They didn't want to jeopardize everything being cool, comfy, and cozy in their faith. They said, ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because, again, they were afraid, right? Um, For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. And this is where the rubber meets the road. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. They go in to show about what he did, how do you open your eyes. I have told you already and did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Excuse me. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opens my eyes. 
We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of the opening eyes of a man before that was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin of birth. How dare you to lecture us? They didn't even know how to respond. They didn't even know what to do because people were wrecking the system. Jesus had heard that he had been thrown out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with, speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. I know that was long. You're like, I haven't read that much scripture in 37 years or heard it spoken like that forever. But the deal is this. To understand this story, to see it, we have to get the full story. Can you imagine being blind from birth? Man, imagine never seeing your kids. Right, guys? Little beautiful baby girl. Oh, imagine never being able to, to have the sunlight pierce your eyes even. It's a nuisance, but pierce your eyes on the horizon as you're driving home from work and you have to put the visor down. Imagine never seeing spring flowers. You're probably thinking, well, I wouldn't miss it. I've never seen it before. But you have, so you can appreciate it. Imagine not being able to even drive a car or play baseball, play football, play whatever. I don't know what it takes. But imagine this life. All you were was a beggar that went to, to, to anywhere you could go just to get money, to get support, and people knew you as just that, the blind man. Imagine what that would feel like. There's some things in this portion of Scripture that I want us to, to really think about today, that I want us to really uh, put into our lives and, and see God make a before and after, because that's what happened with this blind man. He was blind, but now he could see. Imagine that. You may already have some before and afters in your lives where God's already done some stuff. Last week, we talked about saying yes to him, but being, being having before and afters is taking the next step for us, for saying, okay, yes, God, but I want to go into a new place with you. The first thing that we observe when we read this is that God wants to use your life as a platform for his praise. God wants to use your life as a platform for his praise. Remember, this guy was born blind and thought he could never be anything but just a blind beggar. And then all, all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. See, what Jesus will do for your life is he'll call out things that never were. He'll pull out things that you didn't think even existed. That guy's mind never even went to the place of being healed and seen for the first time. Didn't even go there. But see, Jesus knew that that could happen because he was connected to God. And the Bible says that we'll do even greater things so we can see the same things happen today. We can see the same type of things happen in our lifetime that happened then. I love Isaiah 43, 16 through 19. This is what the Lord God says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there, never rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. One of my favorite scriptures there too. Something that was instrumental for Kara and I in this process. Understanding that the before is gone and the after is making new as we sit here today.
God wants to use your life as a platform for his praise. Second thing, what God desires to do in your life supersedes what man can say. God's plans are bigger than man's. Think about that. You know, I think about my kids. I love them to death. Love being a father. Nothing like it. But I think about the dreams that I have for them. Think about it. Parents, are you with me on this? You, you know, you, you wake up in the morning, you're thinking, man, they're going to be able to do this someday. They're going to be able to do that. They're going to be able to do this today. I'm so excited for their life. I'm so excited for what God's going to do. Such amazing plans. God's plans are even better than a parent's plans. God's plans are better also for those that try to speak ill, try to speak negative over our lives. Think about it. This guy thought from what people said, he's just going to be a blind beggar the rest of his life. But then again, what does God say about your life? Ecclesiastes 3, it's probably one of the scriptures you may have heard of before because it starts out talking about how there's a time for everything, a time to be born, to die, plant, to uproot, tear down, and to build up, a time for everything. Well, the author goes on uh, then a little bit further to say this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of man, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. See, God, what he dreams about for us is not just something for here, something that's for forever. It doesn't stop here. It goes on forever. God desires, God's desires for your life supersedes what man can say. I know you've probably heard of Jeremiah 29, 11, right? That's the go-to. Do you ever write out any graduation cards, guys? You with me on this? What do you do? Jeremiah 29, 11. Put it on there and they're like, man, this person is spiritual. I even put a scripture verse on there, right? I've done it. Youth pastors, right? Rob, remember, it's the go-to, just slipping in there. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11. But there's more to it. Let's go 11 to 14. This is what you've heard. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is where it changes. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. Doesn't stop with 11. Goes all the way to 14 to the point at which, which brings me to the last thought that I want us to think about today. What God wants to do in your life requires action from you. It requires action. It's one thing for him to have plans. It's another thing for us to act. Think about it. I used to play high school football. Hold on. Let me, I used to play high school football. Okay, anybody with me on that? Did you play sports in high school? Anybody? Can you? Any, oh, so you okay. Oh, thank you, Matt. I see that honesty. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> this was before the 275. All right. Uh, this was the 175. It happened. I swear. The 185. Okay. This coach, bless his heart, okay? Uh, he, he, he was a great guy. But here's the thing. I'm sitting here at 175 playing defensive end. That's a joke. Okay, and I, I'm wondering, why in the world am I not getting a play? Why, why don't I get a chance? Of course, I'm too, too skinny and too little. This guy set out a whole plan for us as a team. Every position. If you want to succeed, if you want to do well, you got to do this, 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 and this. What did I want to do? None of it. So much so because I didn't get to play, it was October. I don't know if I've ever shared this story with folks before. Some of my team might know it. It was October, and there's this little uh, little thing that happens at the end of October called Halloween, right? 
We've all heard of that little thing there. And um, it was that time of year. And you know how they always give those little personal size candies, right, that you can get from the store? So my buddy and I, we had a great idea because I knew I'd be playing football that night. Uh, and I knew that I'd be uh, real busy playing football the whole time. So so much so that I took a bunch of chocolates, you know, like uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, um, Snickers. Okay, this is milk chocolate, so you know where this is going. Um, I put all these down in my practice gear, my pants. I swear to you, I'm not making this up. So I'm real careful during workout time because I don't, I don't want to break too much of a sweat because remember, you know what happens with milk chocolate. You don't want to look like that guy that got hit so hard kind of thing. So... I put them all up front right here. But I'm sitting here and I'm working out and I'm sitting on the sideline and I'm eating chocolate the whole night. I'm happy as can be. I'm just, just wonderful. I didn't get to play at all. And you know how sometimes you wonder why, don't you? Why did I get to play? I also played baseball in high school too. That's why you play softball after that. It makes you feel good about yourself. But I also played <laughs> baseball. There were plans for me to do all kinds of stuff, but I never did a single thing. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. I thought it'd be funny just to get a bunch of hot, a bunch of what well, became hot chocolate, a bunch of chocolate, and just have fun on the sideline. If I would have worked harder, if I would have acted a little bit more, you know, I maybe could have put on sweat. I maybe could have played, but it didn't happen that way. See, it's one thing to have plans; it's another thing to have action. God has plans for your life, but He's looking for us to do something about it. He's looking for us to make our move to do something with it. I love this part where the blind man says, again, one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. See, that wouldn't have happened to him if he would not have had taken action and went to that, that pool of Siloam. That wouldn't have happened to him if he wouldn't have done his part and taken that walk. Remember, that, that pool was also, the Siloam meant sent. God was, Jesus was sending him there so that he could be sent to others as well. Others as well. It takes action for us to see something amazing happen in our lives for God. I think of Joshua marching around the city uh, just and, and yelling out, right? And, and that's, that's crazy. How can walls fall in that kind of way? You're just marching. And, and how can that happen? How, how can uh, the sun stand still? How, how can Gideon take 300 soldiers and defeat a whole army? How can that happen? We humble ourselves before him. We pray. We act and do our part. There's a distinguishable before and after. There was one more. One of the most important. What God does in your life can only be attributed to him. Verse 35, chapter 9. Jesus is, is talking to this guy now. This blind man that can now see. So he's the, the guy that used to be blind, but now there was a before and after, the guy that has his sight. And he's talking to him, and he's like, do you believe the Son of Man? The man responds, well, who is he, sir? He doesn't even know yet. Who is he, sir? Jesus responds this way, you have seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. At this point, the guy knows one thing, one thing that I know, it was him. He took care of this, now he's taking care of this. Not did he just see him with his physical eyes, but he also saw him with his spiritual eyes. Everything changed. The guy used to be blind, now he can see. He used to be apart from God, 
but now he's with him through Jesus. That's his before and after. See, I want to challenge you guys with this. Let God develop that before and after. You know, you, you may be able to say, before God, I was depressed, man. Before God, my family was heading for divorce and just separation or brokenness. Before God, I was a hot mess. But after God, but after, one thing I know is that I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Chapter 10 talks about the good shepherd. I want to show you a quick video that we're going to close with and um, we're going to talk about it for just a second and we're just going to spend some time allowing God to develop that before and after.
John's eyewitness account in some ways of what he walked through as he got to know the good shepherd. You know what I'm saying? He wanted you to know him like that. He wanted you to have this before and after like he did after he'd been with Jesus. All these miracles and all these things you saw depicted within, that's what John had, he, was, he witnessed as he did life with Jesus. See, the good shepherd, if you know anything about shepherding, we're all shepherds, right? We all just hang out. No. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. They trust him. They know that no one cares for, for him, for them as much as he does. He said, I am the good shepherd. I'll lay my life down for my sheep. If even one of them slips away, I'm going to find them. I love my sheep. You know, sheep aren't the smartest animals. You know that, right? They're not known for their extreme intelligence. But the shepherd loves them. I can't tell you how many stupid mistakes I've made. Dumb, stupid stuff. I should not be standing here today. But God, the shepherd, he came and got me. Shared last week a little bit, I think. While I was at Valley Forge Christian College, that's where everything's perfect, right? The Christian College, that's utopia. Waynesburg College, just everybody floats everywhere they go. It's awesome. I was done. I'd had enough of people. I'd had enough of the church. I had enough of it all. I was done. This sheep was rolling out. I call it giving a one-finger peace sign, if that makes sense. I was hurt. I was broken. I was battered. I was, I was in terrible shape. But the shepherd saw the value of this sheep, of this one here. And he came after me. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you for all. The, no, you're supposed to be with us. You're supposed to be in this together. I'm coming after you because I've got plans for your life. I've got places that we have to go together, things that we have to do. One day you'll be in Morgantown. I could never handle that then, but you'll plan a church. I couldn't have handled that. You have this wonderful wife. I could handle that. But he came after me. And I knew that voice from when I was a kid, right? You know what I'm talking about? I, I recognized that, that sweet, warm, affirming, like, Justin, come on, man. You're my kid. I love you. Let me change things. L let me give you the best before and after you've ever had. Let me take away all your hurt, your pain. Let me give you that one thing. I was blind, but now I see kind of moment. And he did. It worked. I haven't been perfect because I'm still human. But I'm his work. And he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He never lets me run out on my own. He's always there when I need him. That's how he is. John wanted you to get that. He wanted you to understand that he is your good shepherd too that he's going to help you with the before and after. Maybe last week you said yes to doing whatever God had for your life, but you're still stuck at yes, right? You're stuck with the, the verbal, but not the physical move.
I want to challenge you today. Let God perform that move that bus moment in your life. That moment when you can tell that you were this and now you are this. We should look different if we know him. Not that you start wearing a suit and tie and you comb your hair to the one way and all that kind of stuff. This is, you know, you don't have to do that. But you should look different. People should say, what happened? Something's different. Oh, I cut my hair. No, no, that's not it. I got some highlights. No, I don't do that, by the way. Um, no, that's not it. Is that a new shirt? No, you, just something's different about you altogether. You're happier. I mean, what happened? And then you get to share your story. That's the goal. To love God, to love others, to go make disciples by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. That's how you overcome. That's how these things happen in life. So what I want to do is I just want to pray for you. Um, I want to pray that God will give you that final before and after where you're putting everything back, putting it all behind and moving forward. Again, you won't be perfect in the process. It's okay, but you still make that decision. You still make that decision to leave the past in the past and move forward and let God touch your life. Let him heal you. It may be physical, even it may be emotional, whatever it is. But I want you just to take a second to solidify this moment and do that. You're probably wondering why there's people wearing those red Ask Me shirts. Right? You're like, what is that all about? That's kind of weird. They're here for you in many different ways. You heard over there in the uh, Connection Center, but also if you need somebody to pray with you today, including myself, we want to do that because we want to partner with you and walk with you. That's what Jordan and Ashley were talking about, a place where they could journey with family. That's what we're about. So we bear each other's burdens and we walk together. God's given us each other to journey with through life so let's just pray and what I want you to do is um, just take a second survey your life be real with it just just look inside and say God last week I I did say yes to a lot of things it could have been a a personal relationship a rededication um, or, or yes to some crazy thing you're asking me to do but Lord I'm still at the before I'm still kind of blind I just haven't taken that step that leap of faith yet God I know people around me are saying you can't do this or you can't do that or there's no way that'll happen God I stand here today just saying that's just trash because we shouldn't be here but because of you we are so God as we survey our lives as we look inside we see where we're at but God give us a glimpse now today of where we're going Help us, God, to have the courage, the courage to say, I'm not going to be stuck in before. I want to encounter Jesus and live in this after moment. God, we do that right now. You may have deposited things in our hearts through this service today. I pray now, God, that those things come to life, that your Holy Spirit would make it real. So what I want to challenge you guys to do at this moment, we're going to close with a song. And it's Overcome, the song we sang before. But what I want you to do is, is when you feel like God has taken you from before to after, I want you to stand. 
And it's a declaration. It's you stepping up into the faith to go forward. It's you stepping up. And look, here's the thing. It may be a physical healing, all right, that you're stepping up for. It's in the Bible. It can happen. Okay, and if if someone's around you, your friends even, um, talk to them real quick and say, hey, I'm struggling with this or that, or I just need you to pray for me. Just lay the hand on their shoulder. Stand with them. Pray for them. That's what it's about. So that you go from before to after. So that you have that I was blind, but now I see moment. So that you become everything that he's calling you to be. God, this is our time. We just close our eyes before you. And we see that thing before is that before moment. And what we are going to do, God, today is we are going to stand in faith and proclaim, proclaim that we will be made whole, that we will be healed, that we will be touched by you, that you will take away this pain, this, this hurt, this whatever, this whatever it is, God, the stress, we stand in new victory. So God, as we begin to play, as we begin to get ready to worship you, God, we want to stand. God, help us now, I pray, to stand. If you guys want to stand in this place, if you believe that God's touched you, do that now.